We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson When you look at the life of Joseph you see a fellow that by all accounts, had a lot to be grateful for. And yet, in a very short period of time, a lot of different things came into play in his life. We would say that the bottom fell out. The bottom dropped out. You know, there are times in life when we seem to be sailing along and everything's going our way. Life is good. We enjoy everything that we could possibly hope for in life. And then the bottom falls out. And the question is, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with life when things don't necessarily go our way? I want us to look today at Genesis chapters 37 and 39 and very quickly look at the life of Joseph. Joseph was, in my estimation, a great young man. And there are so many admirable traits about him. Things that we can learn from. He is an inspiring figure. We can derive a lot of encouragement from his life. So I want you to think about a fellow that in many, many ways everything was going well. And then all of a sudden the bottom fell out. I want to begin our study by talking about first and foremost the fact that Joseph was sold out. There are two things I want to share with you along these lines. First thing you need to see is that Joseph was loved. The Bible tells us, look if you would at Genesis chapter 37 in verse 3. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers... They hated him. I know that there are a number of you here today that have been blessed with more than one child. And I would imagine that although you have more than one child, and though they're different in many, many ways, their personalities may not be alike, their mannerisms may not necessarily be similar, but you love them the same. I had a friend of mine say many years ago that as a parent, you should never show favoritism. I think that's probably a good way to live, to love them all the same. And yet, Joseph was the favorite. Now, maybe you're here today and you're the favorite child of your parents. Or maybe you feel like one of your siblings is the favorite. Well, Joseph was the favorite. He was his father's favorite. He knew it and they knew it. But then I want you to consider if you would, not only was Joseph loved, but Joseph was loathed. In other words, they detested him, his brothers. Did not like him. Note if you would what is said about Joseph and the relationship that he had with his brothers. I just read a moment ago some of verse 3. 
Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Verse 4. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. Now note, and they hated him. Three times in this one chapter, it is said of Joseph's brothers, they hated him. And then the Bible says, not only did they hate him, but verse 4 tells us they could not speak peaceably to him. These guys didn't get along. They hated him. They didn't have a peaceful thing to say about him. And then look at verse 11. The Bible says his brothers envied him. So you get the picture. Here's this favored son, loved by his own father, but hated by his brothers. And so the text tells us in Genesis chapter 37 that his fathers, or rather that Joseph's father, sent him out to check on his brothers who were feeding the flock in Shechem, a couple of days' journey. Wanted to know their well-being. And so the Bible says in verse 14, he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. When he got to Shechem, he found out that they were down in Dothan, which would have been about 12 miles. And so note, if you would, verse 18. The Bible says, When they saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. So here you think about this favored son. And now the brothers have their opportunity to rid themselves of this guy, That's the so-called favorite. They're going to get rid of him, and in fact, they do so. Note, if you would, what is said. Verse 19, Joseph had some dreams in which the basis of those dreams were that his brothers, his father, would one day bow before him, and that enraged them. And so they said, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him, cast him into some pit, some pit, and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of this dreamer. Reuben, however, intervened and said, let us not kill him. Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. So the story goes, Joseph is placed in this pit and later sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites for 20 shekels of silver. What's hard to believe is the brothers actually concocted this plan. It was diabolical, deceitful, and so then their deceit is reflected in what they did. Note if you would, Reuben had returned to the pit But Joseph was gone. And the Bible says he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took this coat of many colors that the father had given Joseph. And the Bible says they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It's my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. And Jacob Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. Now let me just pause here for a minute. Hard to imagine family members treating one another like this. I'm sure we've seen it in the past. 
where family members have hated one another, they couldn't speak peaceably with one another, they envied each other. Such was the case here. So Joseph was sold out, sold out by his own brothers. There's a second thing I want you to see, and that is not only was he sold out, but he was rolled out. And you'll understand what I'm talking about in just a moment. In verse 36 of chapter 37, the Bible says the Midianites had sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar. And so in chapter 39, we find Joseph down in Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him and brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. As you think about the fact that here's a young man that's been sold out, and now he's going to be rolled out. Some things I want you to consider very quickly. First, his skill. The Bible says in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in, his, in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So you think about the prosperity of this young fella. And then the power. Verse 4 says that Joseph found favor in his master's sight and served him. And so he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had he put in his hand. So here's a guy. He's been sold out. He's in Egypt in a foreign land among strange people among strange customs, and now he's rising to prominence. His skill evident to Potiphar. But then somebody comes along who wants to seduce him. So think about, if you would, his seductress. The Bible tells us in verse 6 that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. In verse 7, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. So you think about the passion of this woman and her persistence. Verse 8 says, he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He's committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. So Joseph now is confronted with what we would say a test. How's he going to react? He's in a foreign land among foreign people, strange customs, separated from his family. His master's wife develops feelings for him. And the question is, what's he going to do? How's he going to react? Young man, a teenager. The Bible says he made a stand. Well, what kind of stand? Note, if you would, what is said. The text says he responded to her by saying, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Verse 8, Joseph refused to sin. There are going to be times in our life when we too are going to be tested. And we're going to find out what we're made of. Whether or not we have the ability to stand, and to be strong. Joseph was a teenager, and yet his stand is remarkable. 
Obviously, he had a tremendous relationship with God because he invoked the name of God and asked the question, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against him? So he was thinking about his relationship to the Lord. But then note, if you would, verse 11. It happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But note if you will, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Number one, Joseph refused to sin. Number two, he ran from sin. When we see circumstances that potentially could be dangerous to our relationship with God, what do we need to do? Run. Run. Get away. Do you remember what James said? Resist the devil and what will he do? He'll flee from you. Now, this lady was persistent. She was passionate, yes. But she was persistent. She continued chipping away at him. That's how the devil operates. He just keeps on coming. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 4, when we read about the temptations posed to Jesus, the Bible says that the devil left him until an opportune time. In other words, he wasn't finished with Jesus. Just because we're successful today, just because we defend ourselves today, doesn't mean he's not going to come back tomorrow and call again. And he'll continue to come. So what do we have to do? We have to resist over and over and over again. We've got to refuse to sin. We've got to resist sin. We've got to run from sin. That's what, that's what Joseph did. So now, what happens? Here's this young fella. He stood the test, maintained his relationship to God. What did he get out of it? Do you remember? Let's think about his seizure. The Bible says, And so it was when she, that is Potiphar's wife, saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside. She called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us, to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. Now, I want to ask you, was that true or false? Was she, was she telling the truth or was she lying? She was lying, wasn't she? Joseph didn't try to make advances to her, but rather she was pushing herself off on him. Joseph stood up, said, I can't do this. So what happened? You can read the story. The bottom line, Joseph first was sold out and then rolled out. Rolled out from where? From Potiphar's house to the prison house. Sometimes you're going to make decisions in life and because you have chosen to make the right decision, that is, you've said, I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to do what's right. You'll pay the price. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 talked about those who are blessed and he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes you'll suffer for doing what's right. This fellow did, didn't he? So he was sold out and then rolled out from Potiphar's house to the prison house. Look at what it said, verse 17. She said, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which he, his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this matter 
that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. The story doesn't end there. Yes, Joseph was sold out. Yes, he was rolled out from Potiphar's house to the prison house, but Joseph was a holdout. And this is important. Joseph was a man of faith. He was a man of, as we would say, dedication. Now you think about, here's a young fella, 17 years of age. He's in a foreign land among foreign people, among people that never been around before, separated from his family members, his father that loved him, separated from his friends, risen to prominence, things are going great, and then he takes a stand for righteousness' sake, and what happens? Goes to prison for it. So how are things working out for you, Joseph? Let's think about his dedication for a minute. I want to suggest to you today that Joseph, Joseph was quite a man, quite a young teenager. He didn't give up, didn't give out, didn't give in, did he? When the going gets tough, how will you respond? Will you give up? Will you give in? Will you give out? Do you remember in James chapter 1, James said, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I was writing a paper the other day, and I made the observation in the paper, I have never met anyone that has said to me they enjoyed difficulty. I've never met anybody that said, you know what, I just love when trials come my way. Do you know anybody like that? I don't. But here's what James said. James said that the trials of life can turn out to be a blessing. One of the byproducts, patience. But in verse 12, James said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, endures trial. Why? Because when he's been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. I want to encourage you today, when the bottom falls out, and it very well may fall out, it may be the case that the bottom has, fell out, has fallen out for you right now. So when the bottom falls out, don't give up, don't give in, don't give out. Remain dedicated, stay true to God. But then there's a second thing I want you to see, and that is his education. Do you think Joseph had the opportunity, the time, as we would say, to learn some things? When you face adversity, when you face trial in life, do you ever pause and just think, okay, what's God trying to teach me? Is there something I can learn from this? Is there any way that I can turn this negative into a positive? Is it possible for me to glean some truth from what's going on in my life? Typically, we look at adversity and we say, you know what, I hate it. Wish you'd get away, go away, leave me alone. I don't know anybody that relishes trials. But can we learn? Yes. Let me tell you what. You can learn a lot in school. I was blessed with good teachers. And I appreciate the things that I learned in, quote, unquote, the classroom. But there are some things that you can learn, and there are some things that you will have to, have to learn, not in the classroom, but by experience. Sometimes experience is the best teacher. So when you face difficulties and trials, when the bottom falls out, can you learn? The answer is yes. Let me just share with you some things that I believe Joseph learned in Egypt. First, he was surrounded 
by the presence of God. Whatever you're going through right now, and it may be the case that maybe it's not right now, but down the road, you're going to face some tough times. You need to remember, as a child of God, you will always be surrounded by His presence. Look at verse 2, chapter 39. Joseph finds himself in Egypt, and here's what the Bible says. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I said a moment ago, he was sold out. The Lord was with him. He was rolled out from Potiphar's house to the prison house. So look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 23. The Lord was with him. Don't you think Joseph learned about the presence of God in his life? When times are dark and you just don't see an answer to what you're facing in life, decisions have to be made, circumstances are negative, remember the presence of God. Remember we are surrounded by the presence of God. Joseph is in a foreign land among foreign people. His life obviously has not turned out as he had envisioned. And yet the Lord was with him. Three times in chapter 39, the Bible has said of Joseph, the Lord was with him. What about us today? Will the Lord be with us? Here's what the Hebrew writer said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's God saying? God is saying, I'm not going anywhere. Whether you're up, down, high, low, successful, frustrated, whatever the case may be, I'm with you through thick and thin. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 talked about how at his first defense he said, no one stood with me, not a single soul, not one person. He said, but the Lord stood with me. The Lord will stand with you. The Lord will surround you with his presence. Do you believe that? I believe it. Just as the Lord was with Joseph, he'll be with you. Matter of fact, if you look at the book of Joshua, when Joshua assumed the role of of leadership among the children of Israel to lead them into the promised land. God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You need to remember, God will be with you no matter what. Second thing, Joseph not only was surrounded by the presence of God, but he was soothed with the peace of God. Look at verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. When things are swirling out of control in your life, you need to remember that you have an avenue called prayer that can lead to peace. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord showed him mercy, active pity. Will he do the same for us? Paul said, in nothing be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he said, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You think about the Lord standing guard over your heart. And God standing by you and with you. And God is for you. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said many, many years ago, This I know, God is for me. So, you learn something about the presence of God. Learn something about the peace of God, didn't he? There's a third thing he learned. Did you know that Joseph had the opportunity to see the power of God? How so? 
How do you think Joseph saw the power of God? Let me tell you how he saw it. Here is a young Hebrew lad, 17 years of age. He's in a foreign land among foreign people. And what happens? He is methodically climbing the ladder, isn't he? God is going to use him in a great way. How else could a young Hebrew fella rise to second in command over Egypt without the power of God? Now, what's the lesson for us? The Bible says that we can draw near the throne of God and find mercy and grace to help. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Now, you talk about the power of God in our lives. To know that there is a God who is willing to assist, to alleviate, to help us with the burdens and the trials that we face in life. And sometimes when we get through that storm and we come out on the other side, we look back and we think about the power of God to get us from point A to point B, to sustain us, to help us keep on keeping on. Joseph saw the power of God. And then Joseph was a subject of the providence of God. Now really, the power of God, the providence of God go hand in hand. God used Joseph providentially in a great, great way. Well, you might ask the question, how do you know that? Some 20 years later, when he was reunited with his brothers, his brothers couldn't believe what was going on before their eyes. In Genesis chapter 45, 22 years have intervened in the life of Joseph. He's now 39 years of age. And here's what he told the brothers. Verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you and the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now turn over to chapter 50 very quickly. In chapter 50, after their father had died, they, they are fearful, the brothers are fearful about their well-being because, after all, they had sold him out. They thought maybe he would retaliate. And so they fell before Joseph and they said, Behold, we're your servants, verse 18. And Joseph said, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God. Now look at verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Why? In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God used Joseph. Really, it was through Joseph and his family that the children of Israel would begin to grow and multiply in the land of Goshen. And God would use one of the tribes of Israel to bring the Christ into the world. And so you think about here is God orchestrating behind the scenes in the life of Joseph. I believe that God providentially works in our lives. Now, I do not have the ability to say definitively, okay, this is God's providence. But I believe it. And I believe that God can use us providentially for His good in so many different ways. A great example, Esther. Do you remember when a plot had been hatched to destroy the children of Israel? Word comes to Esther, and the statement is made, who knows whether you're come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Can God use you? Yes. Here's what you need to understand in closing. When the bottom falls out and everything is going awry in your life, when things look bleak and negative and you don't see any light, step back 
And ask yourself, can I learn from this? Ask yourself, is it possible that God in His providence can use these circumstances that I'm facing in my life to help me, to possibly help someone else? Is it possible that these things can be a blessing to me? Is it possible that God can use me to be a blessing to others? Did God use Joseph to be a blessing to other people? The answer is yes. Yes, He did. I wish I could stand before you today and tell you that the bottom's not going to drop out in your life. I wish I could assure you that, but I can't. All I can say is this. Things may be going great in your life today. It may be, as we say, smooth sailing for you right now. There was a time in Joseph's life that it was smooth sailing. And then the bottom fell out. And there were a lot of things that he learned, but he was dedicated to God. I see his dedication. I see his education. A lot to be said for what we can learn by experience. So if you're here today, and maybe the bottom has dropped out in your life, and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn, you've talked to friends, you've talked to family members, you've tried this, you've tried that, to no relief, to no avail. I want to encourage you to turn it over to God, to give it to Him. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love